listening to Expand Your Horizons, the podcast for English language teachers and wanderlust indulgers. This is Lauren and Shannon, teacher training duo of TefelHorizons.com. Each week, we bring you teaching advice, travel tips, and inspiring stories from around the globe. Here's to making this big world a little smaller by connecting ESL teachers everywhere. Welcome to this week's episode of Expand Your Horizons, the Tuffle Horizons podcast. I'm Shannon, and I'm here with Lauren, as usual. Hi, everyone. And we are recording in Boston. This is episode, I believe, 16. Yep. Uh, so we've come a long way, which is pretty exciting. And this week, we actually want to respond to a comment slash question that we got on a previous podcast um, episode. Uh, first, I want to say we were very excited to get this question or comment because we get really excited when you, our readers or listeners or followers, engage with us. Um, so this was a question that Heidi asked. Thank you so much, Heidi. And I think she had asked um, specifically about teaching reading. And the particular situation was, I believe, about teaching reading for TOEFL prep. TOEFL is a big proficiency exam that students often have to take. Um, And the issue here was that there were very long passages that the students needed to read in order to practice for this particular exam. And it was difficult to deal with this. So the question revolved around whether or not it would be a good strategy to have students read out loud, like take turns reading different pieces of these long reading passages out loud, like one person reads a couple sentences or a paragraph and then the next person goes, etc. And we're excited to get this question because this is an issue we love addressing. And this is a question that I think comes up a lot. It's definitely something that has come up a lot in our training um, and just in general in terms of things that we've seen teachers doing. So we're really excited to talk about it. Uh, So to jump right in, the first big thing we want to say, um, Lauren, I'll let you just answer this. Should we have students read out loud in class? No, never. Never. (laughs) Never. We feel pretty strongly about this. Um, If that surprises you, bear with us. But for, I would say, CELTA-trained teachers, this is a big don't. Um, Having students read out loud in class is generally very frowned upon. We certainly frown upon it a lot, harshly, harsh frowning. (laughs) Yeah, and I think a lot of people, you know, uh, recall a time in their childhood when their teachers had them do it, Mm -hmm. Um, and it it still doesn't make it right. (laughs) It wasn't right then, and it's not right now. Right? Did you like it then? I hated it, and I'm a pretty comfortable read alouder. I've heard a couple people say, actually, that they liked it, but what they need to to remember also is that they were native speakers in a, a classroom of native speakers. So what we're talking here specifically about is whether our non-native speakers, our ESL students, should be reading aloud in class, and and that's right. no. But I would encourage those of you who are teachers um, in other classrooms, like uh, with native speakers, um, there there are better ways. Yeah, even I think for native speaking students in classes that aren't language classes, I I would still say that it's not effective yeah. probably ever. Um, maybe teachers have their reasons for doing it, but we're yeah. not into it. It all it made me so nervous when we had to do it when I was growing up. I, I would dread the teacher calling my name. Yep. Uh, so the big answer is no. Do not have your students read out loud in class. And we're going to go over why that is. So in case you're not sure, don't worry, we'll get into it. Um, and I'm going to start by 
giving a typical argument that I hear for why teachers do have their students read out loud. So I've heard teachers say that they want their students to read out loud because they think it keeps everybody engaged, right? That's proof for the teacher. All the students are involved because they all have to take turns reading. Everybody's listening to the person reading. So it means that everybody's engaged, everybody's on the same page, everybody's doing this reading activity together. Let's think about this for a second. So if you are a student, you are an ESL student in a classroom, English is not your first language, and you are reading out loud in front of your class, a room full of people right now, how do you think you're feeling? My guess is that you're probably so nervous or so focused on the pronunciation, not butchering the words that you're saying, you probably aren't even really comprehending what you're reading. There's no real opportunity for you to take in and process the information that you're reading out loud. Yeah. Um, if you're super confident, maybe you're not bothered by this, but if you're not the most confident student in the class, this could be a really embarrassing, nerve-wracking, stressful experience for you. So I would, I would argue that the person reading out loud isn't actually engaged in the material. They might be forced to be engaged in the activity itself. But in terms of reading comprehension, I don't think they're really getting that. Um, the people who have already read, whose turns are over, they might be zoned out at this point. Um, they might still be beating themselves up for that word they mispronounced in line three, paragraph two. Um, we don't know, but the point is they're, they're done. So they're not necessarily engaged. And then the people whose turn is coming up are probably frantically reading ahead, trying to practice in their heads the words that they're going to have to say so that they don't mess those up. Um, so I, I don't think anyone who isn't reading is necessarily engaged in the comprehension of the material either. Half the class probably thinks the reader is going too slow. Half the class probably thinks they're going too fast. Mm -hmm. So I don't think anybody is really happy or engaged or getting really good reading comprehension practice in that scenario. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Lauren, tell us what's another reason teachers argue that reading out loud is helpful. So I've heard some teachers say that they feel like uh, reading out loud helps their students practice pronunciation. Um, and I have to disagree here. Pronunciation and reading are two completely different things. There are times in your lesson when you're going to want to help your students practice reading skills. And there are times in your lesson where you're going to want to help to uh, help your students with their pronunciation these are two different times in the lesson and the reason is this while the student is reading out loud how many people are practicing pronunciation Ooh, good point right so like in a class of 15 16 students one person is practicing but in true in uh when you have pronunciation practice in class a pronunciation activity will help all students practice pronunciation at the same time mm -hmm. and the student is prepared uh, and sorry the teacher is prepared to give better feedback in that case based on pronunciation activities that are written for that purpose Reading texts aren't written for pronunciation practice. They are written for reading practice. Um, and there, there are much better ways to, to practice pronunciation that will isolate the pronunciation problems that your students have. Again, reading out loud isn't going to do that. Uh, so imagine the scenario where like, you know, you've got a class of 15, 16 students. Uh, you imagine that you're going to help this one student practice their pronunciation. Perhaps they are struggling with the th sound, the th sound. What is everyone else doing? 
they're just looking at that student's struggle to pronounce to pronounce a sound in front of an entire class. I don't think it's the best use of class time, and it certainly interrupts then the skill that they're supposed to be practicing, which is reading. Exactly. Yeah, if you think about it, if your focus is pronunciation, are you seriously going to stop and correct that student who's reading out loud in front of the whole class every single time they make a pronunciation mistake? I mean, that sounds like a particularly brutal form of torture. Also, if you need to think of it like this, practicing pronunciation helps speaking skills, right? Mm -hmm. Reading out loud isn't speaking it's reading out loud. So speaking is is answering a question and, and, and letting uh, the words flow freely from you, not saying things that are on a piece of paper in front of you. So it, it's, not pronunci- it's not practicing pronunciation actually um, at all. Right, exactly. It's a completely different thing. So if the students are doing a reading activity, the focus is reading, reading comprehension. It is not the time to practice pronunciation. And as Lauren said, if you do want to practice pronunciation, there are much, much better ways to do that with activities that are specifically designed for pronunciation practice that are going to get more students involved at one time. Yeah, I think we've talked, a side note, we've talked about it maybe on the podcast before. I can't remember. Um, There's a book called Pronunciation Games. Do Mm -hmm. we have it in our resource library? I believe we do. Yep. If you go to tefelhorizons.com slash books, um, you'll find it as, as a book that you can buy through our site, through Amazon, through our site. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a really good one. Really uh, good one. Cambridge University Press. I can't. I'm sorry. These memorized. Sorry, guys. I can't remember. But it is It is on our website. It's called Pronunciation Games. It's a great resource. It's um, a spiral bound one. So it's uh, easily, it's meant to be photocopied. Yeah. Such good pronunciation activities. So if you're struggling to think of how to practice pronunciation, do not have students read full texts out loud in order to do that. Check out Pronunciation Games. You'll find some really fun, engaging, lots of pair work activities um, that are awesome for pronunciation practice. Yeah, that leads us actually into our next point uh, really nicely. So so why why isn't reading out loud a good idea So uh, mm-hmm. to practice things like pronunciation or to keep students engaged? Yeah, so we've gone over two reasons, but another big reason is that when you think about it, why are the students learning English in the first place? The whole reason they're in the classroom is because they want to be better at using English outside the classroom. They need English for their daily lives, for their normal lives. So that means as much as possible, the things that we do inside the classroom, we want to mirror what students need to do with language outside the classroom, right? So when's the last time there was a magazine article or a newspaper article that you wanted to read and you called up your friend and you said, hey, I really want to read this article. So let's go to the coffee shop and I'll read a paragraph out loud and then you read a paragraph out loud and then I'll read a paragraph out loud, <laughs> right? Like that's not that's not something that we do. Um, as adults, as as adult proficient speakers of a language, we don't read things out loud unless it's a speech or maybe a bedtime story to our children. When we read something that we want to comprehend, we read it silently to ourselves. We might talk about it after that. We might have opinions on it. We might discuss it with a friend, but we're not going to sit there and read the entire text out loud to ourselves or to the people we're with. Um, So it's really not that necessary of a skill for students to practice. No, not at all. Um, Yes, maybe there are certain situations in which um, a student wants, like they they do have to give a speech or they have to give a big presentation at work and it involves, you know, memorizing notes or something like that. Sure, but that's a different thing. Like that's not just sitting there and reading a random text out loud. 
Um, so if it's something that you really want to do, maybe practice like a private student has specifically requested, hey, I want to get better at reading aloud. Fine. Um, I don't think that comes up a whole bunch. I don't think it does either. It just doesn't. It's it's just not the way we read. Like it, if you think if we're trying to train our students to to read authentically, to read like we do right mm-hmm. outside of the classroom, reading out loud requires you to to read every single word on a page. And really, I mean, as readers, we don't. We don't. It's, we read differently than that. We read differently. And so like reading out loud just doesn't help them achieve that. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's really not an authentic way to practice a very common language skill, right? Reading is a very common skill that we do with, with language. Um, and we want to practice it the way students need to use it in real life. If they want to sit down and read a text on their own, we want to train them to be able to do that effectively. And so that's the way we need to help them do it in yeah. class. Yeah. Um, so this brings us to our next point. So Lauren, the argument that I then hear from teachers is like, okay, I, I see your point with these previous reasons, but like, if the students aren't reading out loud, how do I know they're actually reading? You know, when I, I tell them, yeah, to? I kind of get that, right? So like, you've you've handed out, you've distributed the the reading text or whatever, and the classroom's silent and everyone has their heads down how do you know if you know that they're actually reading the text and not like checking their text messages or something like that Mm -hmm. so i get it i understand i understand that um that concern however there are better ways to ensure that your students are listening to or are uh, reading the text uh without you um having them read out loud so a, a really easy solution to this is what, uh, before you give students the the text that you want them to read, make sure that you've given them a task, an activity, something to do while they read. So reading in class doesn't have to, it doesn't uh, need to uh, include memory work, right? We're not giving a text and then checking that they understand or that they, they remember what they've read. Rather, we want to check that they've understood what they're reading. Therefore, we encourage you to give the, the questions uh, before the students read mm-hmm. um, and then give out the text. If the students are um, are actively engaged in the reading, they'll be writing down the answers as they're reading. Exactly. Right. So as the teacher, it's your job to make sure the students want to read the text that you're giving them. Right. And I think it's pretty normal, you know, if you hand the students out a text and say, okay, now read this, um, I think it's pretty normal for the students to think, Okay, why? Yeah. <laughs> why? Okay, I'll read it because you told me to, but right. there's not a lot of inherent motivation there necessarily. However, if you can do a really good lead-in that gets the students engaged in the topic, um, if you're not sure what we're talking about in terms of a lead-in, go back and read. We've got a couple blog posts um, specifically on lead-ins. So. If you go to tefelhorizons.com slash blog, you'll find those. Um, if you can get the students engaged in whatever the topic of the article is, in that lead-in, and then you can let that lead into uh, um, <laughs> some kind of task uh, that is going to make the students want to read the article. Yeah. I was observing a teacher once. Uh, this was not a new teacher. This was a, a teacher with some experience, and he distributed a, a news article and said to the class, "Okay, I want you to read this, and then we're going to we're going to discuss it after." And so I didn't intervene. I kind of wanted to see how this would turn out, and so the the students read or, or didn't read. There there wasn't really indi- any indication as to what was happening because they didn't have any questions to answer while they were reading. 
Um, and so then after, you know, he started asking questions and trying to engage with the students about the content of the news article. Um, and then, and then he got frustrated because the students weren't able to answer his questions or hold a discussion about the article because they had no idea what they were supposed to be reading for in the first place. Right. If you just say, read this and then we're going to talk about it, it seems like you've given them a task. Like the task is, we're going to talk about it after. But if you're a student, that puts a lot of pressure on you. Okay, we're going to talk about something in this article. So gee, I hope I understand everything about it because otherwise I'm not really confident talking about it. Right. So that makes me as a student feel like, okay, I'm going to have to understand every single thing that's super hard, that's super intimidating. And then I don't know what this guy's going to ask me. Right. So good luck. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So let's see, what would be a better example of a task that you set before? How can we flip this around? Right. So uh, let's imagine that we are um, reading an article about, I don't know, give me a good topic. Yeah, um, I can I can use an example I've used in training sessions before. There's a little article I do about um, this old couple who've been married. Have you seen this one? <laughs> yeah. They've been married for 50 years yeah. or 80 years, I think. 80 years, maybe. Um, and so it's, it's like a cute little story about this couple, and they talk about how to make love last a lifetime. Like, how do, you, how do you stay together and, you know, stay in love? Um, so, yeah, it's pretty cute. Probably not for everybody. You know, it's yeah. pretty sappy. Um, so the, the way I would not want to do that is by handing the article to the students and, again, saying, here, read this about these old people, and, you know, then we're going to talk about it afterwards. Instead, what you can do is give the students some kind of task beforehand. So for this particular lesson, I show them a picture of the couple and they make some predictions about who the people are. Who do you think they are? How do you think they met? Do you think they're happy? Why do you think that? What do you think their relationship is like? Um, I let the students talk a little bit in pairs about their predictions. And then I tell them, okay, just based on what you've discussed, based on what you've seen, choose what you think the title for this article is going to be. Nice. Um, keep in mind the students have not read the article yet at all. So they're purely making a guess based on the little bit of context that they've gotten so far. And it's something like option one is how to make your wife happy. Option two is how to make love last a lifetime. And option three is finding love online at age 80. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so everybody guesses what they think the title is going to be. And then that leads very nicely into, okay, now quickly read through the article and see if you were correct. So now the students really want to know if these old people met on Tinder or, you know, what's going on here. Um, So now I don't need to worry that the students aren't going to read because they want to read at this point. They want to see if they predicted correctly what the story is about. Nice. Side note, I wonder who the oldest person on Tinder right now is. Mm. (laughs) Not the point of the article. (laughs) Not the point of this episode, but. (laughs) Just wondering. Curious. Curious minds. Um, And I think that, you know, uh, Shannon's example is a really, it, Shannon's example is a really good example of of what to do before a, a, a student engages with a text, right? Get them interested in it, get them interested in the topic, and then wanting to sort of dive in to the text. So you're not going to need to worry about whether they're reading it or not. You've made them curious enough uh, that they are going to go and see if they have the right answer. Exactly. So if you're setting the the reading um, activities up like that, if you're setting them up well. Um, you shouldn't have to worry about that. The students are going to want to read. Um, And even, I mean, honestly, they're adults. So like if they need a minute during the reading time to check their phone or whatever, 
yeah. that's kind of on them, yeah. right? Like, I mean, they're, they're adults. If they're paying for these classes, if they're volunteer, voluntarily coming to these classes, then hey, you know, that's I their do, prerogative. Uh, in my training sessions, I use that article about the drunk moose. Oh, you know yeah. that one? So there's a picture of a moose stuck in a tree and the, the moose is drunk. So they predict, uh, the students predict uh, how they think the, the moose got drunk, you know, so like it uh, broke into a, a brewery or a distillery, <laughs> uh, you know, it it uh, raided a campsite um, and drank all the beer. Um, but anyway, uh, the the real the real story goes that uh, the moose ate fermented apples. Um, but it's a, it's a great one, uh, to get students engaged and sort of predicting how something happened before they, they read it. Yeah. I'm engaged. I haven't read that article before and now I want to, that task would definitely motivate me. It's a good one. Um, okay. So this is the big solution to feeling comfortable letting students read silently, right? To give them a task that's going to motivate them to then read the text Um, And then the key here is you want to let them just read silently to themselves. Again, the same way most adults read authentically Mm -hmm. normal things that they're reading in daily life. So give them the task and then you want to give them a set time frame to let them read silently and do the task, you know, check their predictions or answer the question that you've posed or choose the best title or whatever it is. Um, If you're curious about different types of reading tasks, by the way, or if you want more detail on how this works, I think we're going to do a whole other episode. Yep. There's clearly, as you can probably imagine, a lot of material here. Um, so we're going to do a whole other episode on the types of reading tasks that you can give yep. and, and how they work exactly. Um, but for now, what you want to remember, let students read alone to complete the activity, to answer the question, pick the title, whatever the task is that you've set. Um, and then monitor as they're reading to check their progress. And you don't have to be hovering around them, but you can be looking, you know, often what you'll see is students underlining certain parts of the text or nodding. Um, Sometimes they'll sort of make a little exclamation when they've figured out the answer. And it's really satisfying to get to see that, that reading is happening um, in this authentic individual way. And if you're the type of teacher that gets a little bit nervous when the class is really silent, monitoring gives you something to do when the students are reading mm-hmm. in silence because they need that quiet. They need it to be quiet. They do. Um, but I, I get it. Some some teachers just get really, it's sort of, you know, the, the silence can be a bit off-putting. So monitoring gives you something to do as they're engaged too. That's a really great point because I know some teachers don't feel super comfortable with silence. No. You got to embrace the silence. If you're struggling, if you find yourself wanting to talk, like wanting to say things like, okay, don't worry if you don't understand every word, blah, blah, like just please, please be quiet. Yeah. (laughs) The students need that quiet. Let them have that gift of silence, of being able to focus. Um, And like Lauren was saying, if you need a job to keep you quiet, um, that could be a great, maybe have a clipboard with a blank piece of paper in front of you and take notes about what you're seeing. Oh, so-and-so just nodded her head. She must be getting the answer. So-and-so seems to be halfway through. Like, give yourself something to do so you're you're not talking. I always say just, you know, make a tour around the room, monitor, make sure everyone's on task. They know what they're doing. They're engaged. But then go and I don't know, erase your whiteboard or something quiet. Right. (laughs) Shuffle your papers. (laughs) Whatever. Leave the students alone. Yeah. (laughs) Give them a minute. Um, Good. Okay. So students have read alone. You're monitored as they've done that. What's next? After uh, after you've monitored, uh, have the students check their answers in pairs. We've talked about this before, right? Um, 
allowing the students to check their answers with a partner, um, first of all, increases communication in your classroom so they can talk about whether they had the same answers or uh, different answers. If their answers are different, it gives them a chance to negotiate what the correct answer is. Mm-hmm. Negotiation skills um, in your non-native language are super important for effective communication. Um, and also increases confidence. So if I have uh, an answer and Shannon has one that's different, um, and we both negotiated that Shannon's answer was actually the right one, then um, I'm going to be more confident uh, knowing that I have the right answer to give once that time mm-hmm. uh, that time in, it comes uh, along in class. Exactly. Yeah, if you haven't done this before, if you haven't tried a lot of pair checking, um, in a reading lesson even, it's, it's really kind of magical. I would encourage you to try it. Just put the students in pairs once they've read individually. Um, put them in pairs and say, okay, now compare your answer. And what you'll see is something that looks like real learning happening. Um, you'll have the pairs kind of leaning over each other, pointing at different parts in the text and saying things like, oh, no, no, look, it's this answer because right here, this and this and this, it says this. The other student will be saying things like, oh, I thought that meant like this and this. No, no, look, see, it means this and this. And it's really cool to see that happening where the students are actually helping each other learn um, and communicating in English effectively. Yep. yep. And then the last? So the last thing, once you've let students do that pair check and, as Lauren said, build their confidence in their answers, now you can go over the answers as a whole class. Um, This is often called whole class feedback. Um, If you didn't listen to our podcast episode on classroom management, go back and listen to that. I think it's episode, what, 12? Yeah. I think it's 12. Sounds right. Um, So go back and listen to episode 12 on classroom management because we talk about these steps as well in a very general sense, what is called the task cycle. Um, So setting a task, letting students do it alone, check in pairs, and then feedback going over the answers. So we're going to follow this task cycle just the same with reading exercises as well. So this is where um, when teachers argue, if the students don't read out loud, how will I know that they've actually read it and comprehended it? This is where you know. Um, This feedback stage is where you get proof that the students have read it and that they have comprehended the article or the text or whatever it is um, because hopefully they're getting the correct answers. And if you've followed these stages, if you've set a clear task, you've given them a set of questions or something, you've let them read an answer alone, you've let them check in pairs, you're going to get good results when you go over it. And if not, if students are getting some answers wrong, that's okay. The goal is not perfection. The goal is improvement, right? The goal is development in comprehension. Um, That's okay. Try deferring to the rest of the the class, right? So if one student gets an answer wrong, you can say, okay, um, that's not correct. Does anybody else have another answer? And let the students justify their answers. Yeah. Good. That's correct. Why did you put that? Where did you, where yeah, did you where find did you that in the that? text? That's a good one. Which line, right? Yeah. Like, where, where did is you that? see it? Show Why? Yep. yep. That's great. Um, so this is going to give you really concrete proof that the students were able to comprehend the text. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So in conclusion, yeah. you don't need to have your students read out loud. Ever. Never. In, <laughs> in order to prove to you that they have comprehended a text. Right. Unless it's a very special circumstance, like we said, like they're preparing to give a speech or something. But again, that's a whole different lesson. That's not a reading comprehension lesson anymore. Right. right? That's a speech preparation sure. lesson or something. Um, if we're talking straight up reading comprehension, 
do not have your students read out loud, use this strategy instead. Nice. Um, and I do have to say, kind of as a disclaimer, I know the question was focused that we received um, specifically on preparing for TOEFL. And I suspect, I think even the person that asked this question, Heidi, um, I think she even specified that like she knew reading out loud wasn't really the way to go. She was just kind of at a loss because the passages were so long. There just didn't seem to be any way to deal with it. Um, I think that is material for, again, a whole other episode. So I think we'll do at least one more episode on, um, as we mentioned, the different kinds of reading tasks and different types of reading and how to help students with all of those. So we can give you some actual practical ideas for how to help your students with reading. And then I think we could do a whole other episode on specifically these long, tedious exam preparation kind of reading passages and how to deal with those as well. Absolutely. And there are specific strategies, but just remember, even in those, the students have the questions in front of them before they start reading the text. So go back to that piece of advice is like, what are the students reading for? They're not reading every single word and they're not reading for every single bit of information. Exactly. So again, that task is really, really important. Right. And how can you use, this is kind of a, a preview now, but how can you use the same strategy we've been talking about? Like the exams are designed like that for a reason mm-hmm. that the students have the questions as they're taking the exam. Right. So use that. That's your task then, which the exam has set for you, those questions. If you can let the students or help the students be reading to answer those questions, right. that's going to help. Yep. Um, yeah. But we'll get more, uh, way, way more in depth into that in an upcoming episode. We promise. Yeah. Okay. So in conclusion, don't have students read out loud ever. Um, and use the task cycle. Use that that pattern of setting a task, letting students read silently while you are also silent. <laughs> then let the <laughs> students check in pairs and then go over the answers. And that is where you will get your proof that the students have, in fact, read the article like you've told them um, and that they have comprehended probably more than you even expected. Good. And just to reiterate what Chen uh, said, it was episode 12 uh, that we went over classroom management and the task cycle if you need a refresher on that. Thank you for checking. Um, and a big shout out and thank you to our listener, Heidi. Um, I think you also even specified in your question or in the comment that you left, like, I'm not sure this is, um, this might be too specific for the podcast or something like that. But look, like this was amazing. We can probably get three or four whole episodes out of this one question or comment, and we are super excited about it. So I say this to, as a thank you um, for asking, for engaging with us, and also to encourage everybody else, if you have a question, even if it seems tiny or silly or too narrow or something, um, it's not. I'm sure it's not. And we got very, very excited when we saw this question. Yeah, please, please send your questions in. Yeah, we like engaging with you. Good. All right. I think that wraps up this episode. And so that'll do it until next week. Happy teaching. Bye. Thanks for listening. Your support means so much to us. Feel free to leave a comment below if you enjoyed this and let us know what you want to hear about in upcoming episodes. If you know other teachers and travelers, we'd love for you to share this podcast with them too. And tune in this coming Tuesday for our next episode. Until then, you can find us at teflhorizons.com. Let's keep making this big world smaller by expanding horizons.